morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. It's dreary outside, but it is still a beautiful day simply because God is and simply because he allowed us to be. Amen? Okay, yeah. We're going to get to that one. Amen. Pray with me, please, and pray for me. Gracious God, I just thank you for this opportunity to come before your people, Lord. Father, I just ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, I thank you for each and every person that is in this room. For those who are not here because they're out of town with other family, we ask that you will bless them in a special way. But I also ask a special blessing for each and every person that's under the sound of my voice. Father, let these words that you have given to me be heard um, with open hearts and open minds. It's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, I have a question for you. As I look around this room, how many football fans are in the room? Just one, two, three? Come on now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, personally, I'm not a regular fan of football. I'm a fan when a team is winning. When I was younger, my favorite team was the Chicago Bears. Um, my favorite player was Walter Sweetness Payton, number 34. And as I reflect, I don't recall why he was my favorite or why the team was my favorite team. I really don't recall. I didn't know the stats of the team at the time. I think it was just a, a friendly rival with my sister and I. And her favorite team was the Los Angeles Raiders. Now, that's really dating ourselves because now they're the Las Vegas Raiders. And before the, all of that, they were the Oakland Raiders. So that tells you how old we are. But her favorite player was Marcus Allen, number 32. But if you ever watched the games back then in the 80s, the Raiders always seemed to come through at the end of the game and in the last two minutes somehow win the game. I don't know how they did that, but that's what they did. And so we found ourselves watching it every week. So why recall all of this information? I don't know, just probably because that's what we did back then. And I told you before that I've attended an all-girl all high school. Our phys ed teacher taught us about football. She even had the nerve to have us play flag football. Again, I don't know much about the game itself, but the few things I do know is that when a team scores a touchdown, they get six points and they must kick a field goal for one more point, which gives them seven points. And if the kicker gets the ball through the, through the field post, the ref raises his or her arms and says, it's good, that much I do know. And you would think that being married to a former football player, I would know much more, but I don't. And I don't really care to know much more. But what I do know is that the abbreviation for a touchdown are the letters TD. So when I do find myself watching a game, I see the letters TD, and I know, oh, that means touchdown. Somebody has scored or has scored a touchdown. And so as I thought about this message this week, I finally came to a title um, yesterday of TD, touchdown, treasures discovered. When touchdowns are scored, the player that usually scores a touchdown does some kind of dance or celebratory routine with another player. Not only do the players celebrate, but so do the fans. Typically, the fans are hardcore fans. They're ride or die. And if I just zone in on the fans in Ohio, just the fans in Ohio, whether they are Browns fans, Bengals fans, or Ohio State fans, these people are there through the thick and thin 
and the cold, frigid weather conditions here in Ohio. They tend to come together on Sunday mornings for fellowship and food and then to enjoy the game together. For a couple of hours, there is no respect of persons, race, creed, social economic status, or otherwise. They are all just fans of the team. So friends, as I ponder today's text, and I thought about the discovery of the book of the law in verse 8, I thought of the word treasure. When we think about the word treasure, images come to mind such as a treasure, a treasure chest filled with gold, diamonds, pearls, and other gems. Perhaps other things come to mind, such as those things that we hold dear to us that we consider to be a treasure, such as family heirlooms passed down from generation to generation, such as a quilt that might tell a family's history, or a great-grandmother's um, wedding ring, or silverware, the china dishes that your aunt left in the family, or even a Bible where births, marriages, and even deaths are recorded. We don't see those Bibles anymore. Sometimes we take those items that are dear to us, that we consider to be a treasure, and we put them away for safekeeping. We may store them in an attic, a jewelry box, or even a lock box. We intentionally put them away. When we bring the items out, it is usually because we are sharing the history with someone else, and it is the article that validates the story that we're sharing, or either we're passing it down to the next generation. In this story, the book of the law was found. It had been discovered or recovered. When Josiah heard the words found in the law, he tore his clothes. The tearing of the clothes in the ancient days was the traditional expression of grief, mourning, or loss. Josiah agreed the fact that as a leader of a nation, he has not and was not being obedient to the law. He states in verse 13, Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They've not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. The forefathers, previous kings, they knew the law and they chose not to obey. I mentioned earlier that we put away our treasured possessions until an appropriate time to reveal them or to share them. In this instance, the book of the law had been put away with what could appear not to be an intention not to share. Repairs were being made on the temple and Hilkiah happened to come upon the book of the law. as It was as if they didn't know it even existed. The kings before Josiah, his father Amon, and his grandfather, which was Amon's father Manasseh, knew of the law and chose to dismiss it. Amon was idolatrous, wicked, and was assassinated. King Manasseh was the son of King Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was a God-fearing king and worked to reform Judah ridding the land of idolatry. Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, took reign at 12 years old and dismantled all the work that his father had pursued, turning the land back to idolatry, practicing sacrifices, divination, consulting mediums, and much more. Just evil. God declared that Manasseh was more wicked than the displaced Amorites who suffered at the hands of God's judgment. You can find all of that in 2 Kings 21 and 11. And chapter 21. How often do we see leaders and administration that comes in behind the former leaders or administration and dismantle programs and policies and processes because they think they have a better idea or a better way of achieving um, or, or can achieve the same or better outcomes? We see it all the time in corporate settings, in the presidency, in educa ed educational settings, and even in churches. 
In these instances, it is not always a bad thing to make some changes, but when we think about the harm that is caused when these changes occur, we must think about what will be best for the greater good of the people being served, what's best for the greater good of the people being served, but most importantly, we must consider will God be pleased at the end of the day. Manasseh did not get that revelation until he was captured by the Assyrians sent by God to attack Judah. Manasseh cried out to God and God spared his life. And as a result, Manasseh restored Judah to a God-fearing land, only worshiping God and no other items. He had a second chance that many people do not get. Though Manasseh repented, his son Amon took over the throne at um, 16 years old. And after, or 12 years old, I'm sorry. And after Manasseh's assassination, and he ruled it with evil intent. He ruled for two years and then was assassinated. And then Josiah became the king at eight years old. Eight years old, he became the king. He should still be running about playing in the yard. If the king was eight, it was safe to say that he was unaware of the book of the law and that certainly someone else was making the decisions on his behalf. And Josiah was about 16 when he began consciously um, seeking God for himself. He was in his early 20s when he called for the repair of the temple. So let's say between a four and six year time span, he was studying to know God more. So when I read and reread verse 8 about how he tore his clothes, I couldn't help but to get excited. And I wanted to yell, touchdown, and do a celebratory dance. It was then that Josiah came to a better knowledge of who God is. It was like he had discovered a treasure chest. He realized that he had not been leading a kingdom that did not fear God. There was sincerity and true grief when he tore his robe at the discovery of the book of the law. So I often ask this question, but again, as I said last week, repetition has its merits. Can you recall when you heard God's voice for the first time? I don't want you to answer out loud. I just want you to think about it. Can you recall when you heard God's voice for the first time? Can you recall when you came to your own understanding of who God was and who he is in your life? It's an awesome feeling when you understand who God is. It's an awesome feeling when you realize that, oh, that's God. It makes you want to scream, touchdown. It feels like you're making a score. There's excitement when you realize, oh, that was God talking to me. For me, it's not the excitement that I hear his voice. I'm excited that he talks to me, period. Just like in Psalm 8 and 4, who is man that God is mindful of him? Why has he chosen out of all the things to do and all the people to talk to, he chooses to talk to me? Out of all the kings, out of all the princesses, out of all the prophets, out of all the people, he takes time to talk to me. That's a touchdown for me. I've scored big. Psalm 115, 12 and 13 tells us that the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. And here I am, this small, out of all the people in the world. And he still chooses to bless me. He still chooses to talk to me. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Jesus says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hearing God's voice, having God in your life, that is a treasure. In the beginning, we spoke about the items and articles that we possess that we consider to be treasures. Does that mean we can't hold on to them and continue to pass them down from generation to generation because we're not to store up, in, store up on earth what we're to store up in heaven? Not at all. Those items and articles that we preserve and share with the next generation are our family's historical artifacts, our family's history of who we are and how we have become who we are or how we ended up where we are. Also, when we look at Matthew 6, the passage continues with conversation about loving money more than loving God. In this life, and this anticipated recession, many are finding ways to be even more frugal and conscientious in their spending, preparing for what may come. In this, God doesn't want us to be so consumed with acquiring assets that we lose out on our greatest asset, and that is our relationship with him. Josiah's authentic grief was recognized by God. Though Josiah did not intentionally bring harm or intentionally disobey the law, he repented. And as a result, God's intention was to allow his raging anger to burn against Judah, and, his, and in God's words, it will not be quenched. However, he did say that because of Josiah's humbleness, he will take him to his ancestors and he will be buried in peace and his eyes will not see the forthcoming disaster upon Judah. After receiving the message from God, if we move to chapter 23, we'll see that Josiah made a covenant with God to walk after him, to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart, all his soul. And all the people pledged the covenant also. The kings prior to Josiah knew that God's desire and that God's commands was not was there they knew that the command was there was that there be no other gods beside him. It was the expectation that they only worshiped him. They had a choice, and they chose to worship pagan gods. We have a choice also. We have a choice to fear, love, and serve God. In fearing, loving, and serving God, that means we are obedient to the commands. The commands that we will have no other gods beside him. You can find that in Exodus 21 through 4. We will love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. We will love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We will do unto others as we, have them do, as we will have them do unto us. We will worship in spirit and in truth. We will seek him first in all things. We will rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. We will be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This is not an exhaustive list of ways to fear, love, and serve God, but it is a start. I remember going to the optometrist as a child, and there was this treasure chest filled with various toys, and at the end of each visit, children were allowed to open the treasure, the treasure chest and choose an item. So if you had decent vision, good eye health, you would only see the optometrist once a year maybe every other year according to your insurance carrier. It was such a treat and delight to be able to get a toy out of the treasure box. Now as, a, as an adult, reflecting back on that time, I'm not sure why getting this little old toy out this treasure chest was such a big deal when we got stuff all the time, we had toys at home, but why was this so special to get this, this toy out of this treasure chest? 
I'm not quite sure. But we had to wait one whole year, 12 months, 365 days until the next appointment to get a prize out the treasure chest. But here we are today. Like Josiah, who found the book of the law, he had gained access to that which he didn't have previously. But we, we have access to the treasure 24-7, 365. Have you ever considered God's word to be a treasure? Has it ever crossed your mind that the words in the Bible, the words that give us life, the promises of hope, God's love, his peace, and his joy are treasures? These are not mere words, but they are the words that remind us that we are his good creation. Those words give us hope in moments of despair. These words, like Josiah, help us to find joy in our mourning. These words lead us down a path of righteousness and protect us in times of harm. What a treasure to have this type of access. Touch down for me. It's a treasure that was discovered. Reflecting on last week, when we were quoting our memory verses, it was heartwarming to hear the scriptures recited and meditated on, and more heartwarming was the explanation behind why people chose the scriptures that they chose or how they had been affected by them. But really, what really got me was Eli. Eli had a scripture memorized and was not afraid to share it with us. That is a touchdown. Josiah was eight when he became king and was unfamiliar with the law. And here we have youth in our midst that are becoming familiar with the law, God's word, so that they will be able to recall God's word at various times in their lives, whether for personal use or to witness to someone else. Friends, we were asked to commit to learning the scripture within 29 days, easier for some than for others. Memorization period may have been easier for some than for others. And there are various reasons why some of us did or did not engage in the activity, but may I encourage you, if you have not even thought about choosing a scripture, that you consider spending some time with God, asking for direction, choosing a verse that will be your guide along this journey. You don't have to commit to memorizing it, but write it down somewhere. Keep it close to you so that you can access it quickly. It's nothing like proudly carrying around a prize from the treasure chest. The Bible is our treasure chest, full of gold, diamonds, pearls, and other gems. Some gems are right in your face and others are hidden, tucked away, such as the story today about King Josiah and his touchdown experience, his treasure discovered. Don't miss out on your touchdown experience. Discover your treasure. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, Amen. Thank you. Amen. Touchdown. <laughs>